0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today.
1: Kidnapped Americans within the last
2: month. Peter, Cutter has been helpful in getting those Americans out. I'm sure you would agree with me and everybody at your network would agree that getting American hostages out is a good thing. And Cutter was a key player in that regard. Cutter has lines of communication with Hamas Almost nobody else has. Now, I'm not saying that we support Hamas. Of course we don't.
3: They're a terrorist organization.
0: I don't know if that's true, John Kirby, on whether or not the United States supports Hamas, because Joe Biden just said there should be a humanitarian pause. And Peter Ducey's question is legit. Why are we thanking Qatar when Hamas' leadership lives in Qatar? Which is a whole other weird thing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, what the president has done is absolutely state that there is support for Hamas. That's what he did. Now, you understand that Hamas has absolutely no plans of stopping So much so that they said so in an interview. But how can you ask for a ceasefire? How can you ask for Israel to stop their aggression
2: when you go on television in Lebanon here last week and say that you will continue your aggression?
0: You will continue to launch uh, October seventh again and again. What does it do to stop? If you're asking for a ceasefire. If okay, you're asking for a ceasefire okay, okay. It has to be two no ways. I am talking that we want to continue against occupation. This is our national our 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 legal right to fight against occupation. It is according to international law, according to all the regulations in the world. It is in Europe you fight against the Nazis. That is the Hamas spokesperson. We're fighting against the occupation. We don't have to stop. But Israel should stop, thank goodness. Benjamin Netanyahu is not listening. But Joe Biden did call for what they're calling a humanitarian pause. A humanitarian pause is a ceasefire. And a ceasefire is a gift to Hamas and supportive of Hamas. So when I say Joe Biden is supporting Hamas, I mean Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is supporting Hamas. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. eight three three four six eight eight six six nine. 468 uh, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. Disagree with me. Let's go through it. Let us show everybody exactly how twisted the progressive mind is when it comes to Israel. You support terrorism. You support these students who support terrorism. You defend them. Every conversation is, well, Israel needs to do a little bit more. Israel needs to do a little bit of this. Israel needs to act more like that. No conversation of these Hamas terrorists. I've got Dick Durbin, a man most aptly named, the senator from Illinois on CNN, and... I, I, you, you can't even begin to make this up. This is the interview.
2: And joining us now is the Senate's number two Democrat Dick Durbin, also chairs the Judiciary Committee. Senator, thanks very much for being with me. And I, I wonder if you agree with Attorney General Allison that more uh, forceful public language on civilian casualties from President Biden would be helpful.
3: Well, let me say at the outset that what happened on October 7th, the Hamas terrorism against Israel was outrageous and barbaric. No question about it, 1,400 people who lost their lives in the process. Israel has the right to defend itself, and it has the right to stop this terrorist activity by Hamas. Now, let's get down to the reality of this confrontation. We know that hundreds, thousands, if you will, have been killed, innocent people in the process. It is time for a humanitarian pause. It is time for us to count uh, the injured and bring them forward uh, for floating hospitals and other sources that can help them. I think this is the moment we should see
0: That you're saying, Senator Durbin, that this is the moment that Israel should say, yeah, you can hit us again. Support for a ceasefire is support for Hamas. Attorney General Ellison, by the way, refers to Keith Ellison, the attorney general of Minnesota put him in the ranks of the Jew-hating. It would be helpful if Biden was more forceful in protecting civilians in Gaza. The civilians in Gaza would be most protected if there was no Hamas. Every rational person knows this. But the objective is not the protection of the people of Gaza because Hamas has already said we don't care how many of them die as long as we can take a couple of Jews with us. And who supports that? Keith Ellison, Andre Carson, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley. They support it. Dick Durbin. Joe Biden. Joe Biden is so weak and so feckless, so pathetic and so small. He can't stand up to the progressives in his own party. He can't look at them and say, you're wrong. Stop it. Can't look at them and say you disgust me. Now the leftist says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What about Trump?" Ah, got an aneurysm. Um, I, 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 I would love to address this two ways. The first way is the way you deserve to be treated, which is shut up. But allow me to do my very best to extend the moment. Of grace. Oh, do I have to? Yes, Tony, you have to. But I don't want to, but you have to. Okay, fine. Um, the caterwauling of but Trump is a reflexive Pavlovian response to try and end a conversation, it is not a good faith argument. It is not even good faith, never mind, not an argument. It is the taught Pavlovian reflexology to end a conversation before it starts. The rational mind can see that Israel was attacked, and the rational mind can see that members of Congress, both in the House and in the Senate now, you can say this clearly of Dick Durbin, the President of the United States on universities all across America, they have sided with a terrorist organization. This is obvious. Everybody who has any kind of mind can clearly see it. It is, to the actual definition of a word, Undeniable. But Trump is a meaningless phrase that does not change at all. The issue at play, which is the Democratic Party at its highest level now, the leader of the party, has sided with Hamas. Now Americans have to decide what to do about that. Their decision might be to vote for Trump, which they have now, therefore they will be stating that Trump is a better choice. Yes, Trump this, and yes, Trump that, and yes, Trump indictments, and yes, Trump not nice, and yes, Trump this, and yes, Trump lied about how much he's worth. Still better than Joe Biden because he never sided with a terrorist organization. But, but Trump said there were very fine people on both sides. No, he didn't. We know that's a lie. Again, one of those lies that bakes in. They just keep repeating it. What, what is the expression? You repeat a lie, make a lie big enough, repeat enough, and it'll become the, the, the truth, right? Well, they're very good at that on the political left. Now, they are as brazen as the day is long in their support for terrorists. This is University of Pennsylvania. A student, a woman, uh, not a a child, an adult who should know better. Listen.
1: A friend uh, from back home recently reminded me of something which I would like to share with all of you. Do you guys remember the photo of the kids and men laughing and smiling as they sat on top of the Israeli military jeep captured by our freedom fighters? Yes. yes! Do you remember
3: that picture? Yes! How about the photos of the bulldozer breaking
1: through the deadly border? Do you remember that picture? Yes! And the several other joyful and powerful images which came from the glorious October 7th? Yes! yes.
0: The joyful images that came from the glorious October 7th. These are Democrats. Call them progressives. Call them what you will. These are the people who vote for Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. These are the people who vote for Kasi Cortez and Ayanna Pressley. These are the people who vote for Andre Carson of Indianapolis. The same people who gather in downtown Indy and chant from the river to the sea, which is a call for genocide. And the mayor of Indianapolis is such a coward that he won't even condemn it. I didn't say they couldn't gather. But you use your bully pulpit to condemn calls to genocide. Nope. Not Joe Hogsett, the mayor of Indianapolis. Not that coward. Put him in the ranks of the Jew haters. Which is really, of course, you understand, much bigger than that. It's just where it starts. Once you create a situation by which people feel emboldened to cheer terrorists... Once they get done with the Jews, you're next. How are you not next? De facto, how are you not next? Do you not know this? Are you not aware of this? Are you kidding me? Hold on, hold on. You don't understand that. Maybe you do, but some don't because I'm still dealing with people who are Jewish, who don't understand what happened. They're shocked. I shared with you that, that uh, video from uh, the actress Maya Bialik. Smart woman. In, in her own right, smart woman. I think a terrible host of Jeopardy, but I like her and everything else. Smart woman. She didn't know, nothing prepared her for, for, for this, nothing prepared her for the hate. Guys, you and I have been talking about this for years. And even before we met, you were aware that this bigotry was out there and growing. You understood the, the, where, the, where the socialists, <laughs> Democratic socialists, stop it, were. You understood where the college campuses were. You understood where the bigots were. You knew where they were. You saw them. You understood the bigotry of DEI right away. And if, not, and if not right away, you learned about it. You were like, my gosh, that's bad. You learned about this. You studied about this. You shared about this. And everybody told you, oh, how dare you? You were right. Rolling now? Does my Bialik say I, 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 I can't even believe it? Allow me to try my best to show grace here. Okay, now you know what's your plan. Which is exactly the question that I ask to American Jews and others, uh, other Jews, and I ask to Americans. The president in calling for a ceasefire, just told you he sides with Hamas because he's too afraid to tell the progressives in his party, sit your Jew-hating butts down. Now what's your plan? If your plan is, but Trump, it's not a plan. And I've extended to you as much grace as I might be capable of. Your problem, the people screaming, "But Trump," is exactly my Bialik's problem. You didn't know. you didn't know that Joe Biden was a weak, feckless jerk, not by my words, but by his own words. You didn't know that the party was lousy with Jew haters? You didn't kn- Now what are you going to do? Now what's your plan? You keep telling me about how Republicans have got this problem and that problem and the other problem, maybe. But I'm telling you, Democrats have a problem and you don't want to look at it. You don't want to pay attention to it. October 7th was worse than January 6th. October 7th is equal to September 11th. I mean... It's actually, if you're talking about percentages, far worse in terms of the number of dead. Now what? Now what's your plan? Because if you're on the political left and your plan is, but Trump, that's not a plan. You're a robot at that moment. You don't exist. You don't have free will. You are so desperate to be invited to the right parties and keep your quote unquote friends that you will literally do anything. You will mutilate your mind in ways I cannot fathom in order to find some kind of peace with their bigotry. And somehow you think you'll be saved. At Harvard, they attacked a Jewish student who, uh, based on some reports, is Israeli. One of the people engaged in the attack trying to prevent this student from walking. Like they they held up kafias and they're 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 trying to to keep this kid from moving here and moving there. Like somehow they're allowed to decide your movement. Just like Antifa, they think they should be able to tell you what streets you can go down. One of the people involved in this is Ibrahim Barmal B H A R M A L. He physically assaulted. This student, he verbally assaulted this student. He is clearly on the video about what happened. He is the editor of the Harvard Law Review. The editor of Harvard Law Review is a Jew-hating bigot who attacked another student on campus. But Trump? No. No. Thus ends the grace. Shut up. Your party is a Jew hating party from top to bottom and side to side. Or as Biden would say, from the bottom up and the middle out. Why don't you fix that? The free and thinking people of the world, we're going to support Israel's right to exist and our own, by the way. We're going to support it and we're going to fight for it. I'm Tony Katz.
3: the need to be able to pay for the Israel funding. As you know, President Biden has issued a veto threat
2: on this bill. Would you consider putting a bill on the floor that includes funding for Israel but does not have spending cuts, or is that a non-starter?
3: No, listen, we we are in dire <laughs> straits as a nation. And if you talk to leaders at the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Pentagon, sometimes even in recent years under oath, they've testified before the House Armed Services Committee, where I served until uh, last week. Um, if you ask them what the greatest threat is to our national security, you would expect, most people expect they'd say China, Russia, Iran, terrorism. They say it's the national debt. We have to address it. We, we have obligations and we have commitments and we want to protect our, our and help and assist our friend uh, Israel. But we have to keep our own house in order as well. And I think people at home, I think the American people understand that. At home, you have to balance your budget. At home, you have to make tough decisions. And Washington should run the same way. That it should, Speaker Johnson. That it should.
0: Because what he is stating is we'll give money to Israel but
3: um, we need some cuts. And so we are here to change the environment, to change the paradigm the way Washington thinks. If we continue on the trajectory we're on, it's going to hurt our country terribly, and it's going to hurt hardworking Americans even more, seniors and the rest. So we have to, while we take care of obligations, we've got to do it in a responsible manner. So I I made this very clear to the president, myself, in our our cordial meeting that we had. I have made it very clear to our colleagues, House Republicans. I spoke at their... I mean, uh, Senate Republicans, I spoke at their luncheon yesterday, um, I've, to every cabinet official I've spoken to all the way down the line, that we're going to do this in a responsible manner. And that's, that's a very important principle for us. Mr. I think
0: that that's just fine. Is this not what people expected? You said you wanted something different. Now you want everything to be the same because there's a disaster unfolding? This is what you asked for. And I'm sorry, exactly who are are the Democrats to say, well, no, this is the way it has to be done. No. If the legislation is passed in the House, it goes to Chuck Schumer. If Chuck Schumer doesn't want to support Israel, that's on him. That's it. They think they still get to decide the rules of the road. We shouldn't allow that. Coach Bob Knight passes away at the age of 83. That story next. I'm Tony Katz. (music) Bob Knight gone at the age of 83. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. As I was saying earlier, I have no way of... Getting intimate uh, uh, within the story. It's because I did not live in Indiana during the days of Bob Knight. I didn't experience what many people, what many Hoosiers experienced. I, It, I, it didn't have the connection for me. And you can't, uh, there, there are things that you could talk about in the history of, of anything. History of the country, history of the state, history of a city, a cultural thing. Where you can kind of understand, kind of get the feel. Not with Bob Knight. I I can't, I'd be lying and people would be like, you're lying. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm lying and I don't lie. So no, I can't. So I I reached out to a couple people who lived it, who experienced it, who, who have been within the conversation of, of Indiana sports and specifically what Bob Knight meant to the state of, of Indiana and that, that insane and special and, Remarkable relationship, JMV, he is the voice of sports, the voice of sports in Indiana, over at the ESPN station in Indianapolis, 93.5, five, The Fan, and I asked him his thoughts on Bob Knight. And I, I, I want to dig in on uh, methodology and, and, and impact, uh, but let's start with, with the big overview, JMV. Uh, your initial thoughts on the passing of Bob Knight.
2: Um, it's incredibly sad, incredibly sad and profound for a lot of people out there, too. It's multi-generational, but certainly those, for example, Tony of Generation X, like I am, you know, those you know, 45 and older um, absolutely can vividly remember the impact. That Bob Knight had. In fact, I go back to 1975. I'm five years old, and my my first recollection of basketball and in, in enjoying something you know so incredibly deeply at the age of five was IU basketball, and it started with Coach Bob Knight. He brought so much to so many, and it was always interesting. It was it was it, like we know basketball in this state now. Some people describe it as a religion. He was certainly a part of that. It was, you know, a a weekly occurrence. You watch the Bob Knight show back on channel four. You set your clock for it at noon on Sunday. He is as big a part of the Indiana fabric as anybody has ever been around here. So significance probably doesn't even accurately describe the passing of Bob Knight at the age of 83.
0: What was it about, his teams that was significant? Was it about their play? Was it about his style? Was it about uh, what, what some people might call the, the excesses? I don't think the way Hoosiers describe it. Which part really connected the most?
2: He won his way, and uh, his way was was working hard. Uh, his way was working together. Uh, he didn't always... I mean, you look at his history. There are not a lot of NBA All-Stars, Tony, on rosters in in the years, um, you know, obviously Isaiah Thomas in eighty one, and he had NBA players in seventy six. You know, the seventy six team was the last team to uh, to go unbeaten in a season. You know, the eighty seven team led by Steve Alford, you know, far from a, a lot of career NBAers on that team. Again, he wanted his way, and his coaching philosophy was: you're just simply put going to work harder and work together better than anybody else. And Tony, I grew up in and around Bloomington. And I know, again, that profound impact that he had, it seemed like every coach I ever had had a style that was directly taken from Bob Knight. Now, that could be both good and bad. Don't get me wrong, but oftentimes it was really good. I mean, we ran motion offense just like IU did. We never played zones because IU never played zones. It was, again, incredible. Not just the basketball impact, Tony, that he had on this state, but just the, the overall uh, personality that he had, I mean, he he is one of the all-time greats. And I know a lot of people are going to say, you're kind of sounding sappy about this right now. I'm not trying to, to sound sappy whatsoever. I was in the middle of it from the time I was five until right now. And to say or describe it in any other fashion would be inaccurate.
0: Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana from 93.51075, The Fan in Indianapolis those three national championships walk me walk me through it in in then bring it to a comparison to where that stands when you take a look at college basketball as a whole
2: yeah well I mean now it's just so incredibly different because of NIL Um, back then I mean it was up to you to recruit guys and you know in 1975 for example um, he had a team that probably was better than the 76 unbeaten team, and then against Kentucky, Scott May broke his arm, and that kind of ended, ended all that. But, but 76, they went unbeaten, ended up beating Michigan in the Spectrum in Philadelphia for the national championship, and nobody has gone unbeaten in an NCAA season since that point in time. Uh, That certainly has stood the test of time. You think about the 72 Dolphins, Tony, in terms of what they did in the NFL and they celebrate every time a team loses in a season. Now, that's how long from 1976 that record has stood for IU. At 81, he had Isaiah Thomas back at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Uh, They went ahead and played that national title game against North Carolina on the night in which there was an assassination attempt by John Hinckley Jr. um, on President Ronald Reagan. Um, vivid memories about that night. And then 1987, 1987 was a team that struggled early and then got together late and was so fun to watch against Syracuse. Keith Smart with that iconic shot and Britton Musburger with the call. Smart takes the shot. IU ends up winning that, but probably the national semifinal Tony that stands out against UNLV and just an absolutely offensively loaded team from top to bottom that Bob Knight decided to run with. He said, you know, I don't think we can slow these guys down. So he ran with them unlike any other coach thought he could do, and they ended up knocking off UNLV and then meeting Syracuse and beating them on a Monday night in 1997 for a national title. There, it, it, I mean, everything had a different chapter. And the, the one thing that was always the same was just, again, his profound effect that he had on basketball. Around here, certainly, but throughout. I mean, you were allowed to coach hard. He coached you hard. And we're not talking about all the other stuff, you know, that is obviously an underlying uh, characterization of Bob Knight right now. But he coached you hard. Everybody else coached you hard. And it is like a one eighty nowadays, compared to the way it was back then. And that will always that will always stick to me, as being you know the days that basketball was a religion and so loved, especially in the state of Indiana. There's really there's there's never ever going to be anything like it again.
0: So that brings us to you know what happens next when uh, in in two thousand he was removed as, as coach. He then goes to Texas Tech for a short while uh i i don't usually dig into you know details about where people were afterwards right and and the effect that it had because like uh like any uh thing it, it's going to bring opinion and i'm not going to tell people they can't have uh, their opinion as you sure. who, a guy who studies this looking back on it now the furor then the reaction the the, the time that has passed now um was was the post was Bob Knight after IU, um, was this more hype than trauma, or did it actually traumatize the state of Indiana?
2: I was I was there when he was fired in two thousand. There was a Colts game against the Raiders, and then we all found out that that was going down. And we go over on the campus of IU-PY. Um I I was there when Miles Brand made that announcement tony it was so incredibly surreal now after so many years of really looking at it and talking to people in and around that program people that that obviously studied it even even more than i did uh, back then because when i grew up i was still very young um as a part of this and a fan more than anything else tony is that it almost seemed like that the end of that chapter at iu was the only way it was going to conclude if that makes sense to you I mean, there was so much. There was so much winning, and again, the religion and you know the myopic viewpoint of fans. And believe me, back then I was one of them, Tony. I was right there, and the the things that transpired, especially as we got into the '90s and the later portions of the '90s, um, and when we saw an evolution of players, we saw an evolution of attitudes that just simply weren't the same as they were in the '70s and the 1980s. It was always kind of felt that. The only way this thing was going to end was the fashion in which it did in 2000, which I think even magnifies his return to the Court of Assembly Hall back in, back in 2020, I believe February of 2020 um, when he came out there on the floor um, because a lot of people thought that he was never going to be able to do that and certainly not going to be able to do that before he passed away. And those were one of those moments that's one of those moments I look back on vividly thinking, I never thought it was going to happen and it did. And on a day like today, when he passes away at 83, um, you're glad that it did happen. Because that was probably more for the fan base, Tony, than it was anybody else. That, that closure with him stepping on the floor with his former teammates back in t- uh, 2020. But um, it, it certainly was a closure and, and something I think is, is more impactful right now on this day than it even was at that moment back in 2020.
0: JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, appreciate you sharing more on Bob Knight coming up. This is Tony Katz today. John Herrick is a big part of the voice of IU Sports Football And basketball, you hear him everywhere. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, of course, Bob Knight, the legendary coach of IU, dead at the age of 83, John Herrick, who is the news director at my home station, 93.1 FM, WIBC, and does so much of these broadcasts. I asked him, having such intimate knowledge, about uh, the impact of Bob Knight on the state of Indiana.
1: Well, Tony, uh, you know, everybody knows that the Bob Knight died at the age of 83, but what you may not know is that, you know, he became the youngest coach at a Division 1 school in 1965 when he first broke in at Army, uh, when he was 24 years old. And I think Army obviously knew something special uh was imminent when they hired him, and then he goes on to make his mark at Indiana, of course, uh, won a school record 661 games, won 20 or more games in a season 29 uh, times. Coached the U.S. Olympic team to a gold medal in Los Angeles in uh, in 1984. And, and and here's what's interesting, Tony, that I've always you know re- really respected about Bobby Knight. Um, he, I know of course, a lot of people are going to remember the controversies, but here's one thing that you got to think about with him. He never broke the NCAA rules. His players graduated, and also he he gave his uh, his salary back at Texas Tech one year because he didn't feel like he earned it when he went on to coach at Texas Tech after Indiana. So, and his teams always were physical. They always played defense. He made sure his kids did well in the classroom, uh, and he was very principled and came back and buried the hatchet. I think we all remember the 2020 game in February where he comes back to that Indiana-Purdue game, and he, and he has his homecoming to Assembly Hall. Crowd goes crazy. It was a day of healing for so many people. Um, the, the list of Bob Knight memories, uh, <laughs> it, it goes back decades, and it's hard, it's hard to you know capture and remember all of them.
0: Right. So that you, I, I do, you know, I, I discussed earlier that if you didn't grow up here, if you didn't grow up in it, I, I have not felt that in my almost, uh, heading into 10 years in, in Indiana that I really have the ability to engage the feel properly. I, I am and I will always be the outsider looking in uh, on that subject. How do people, cause you, you grew up with this, you grew up with the history of this. How do people explain the emotion? of what Bob Knight brought to Indiana during those years?
1: First, I would say this, Tony, personality and swagger um, and toughness. And I think that, you know, when I go on these road trips with the IU football team, this, you know, we always – I have a chance to talk to the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, and the athletic director, Scott Dolson. And Scott told me something a couple weeks ago that really sticks with me. It's, he was such a huge personality that when he walked into a room – other celebrities paid attention. They were like, Oh yeah, is that is that Bob Knight? I mean it didn't matter how big the celebrity was, he was that big of a celebrity himself because of what he was able to do from a coaching standpoint. And you've got to give a lot of credit to, to the way he was able to command a room. I mean he'd walk into a room and he would just you'd be drawn to him. Um, so I, I think his his presence, his his attention to detail uh, the way he coached the game, no matter where he coached, whether it was Army, IU, or Texas Tech, uh, is, I think, the thing that everybody's going to remember here.
0: Talking to John Herrick, news director here at 93 WIBC, the hometown station, and, of course, uh, a tremendous part of the voice of IU Athletics. uh Talk about the actual coaching of the game. You know, in addition to all the other work you do, uh, you do uh, do some, some uh, work with, you know, uh, Indiana Sports and a and, and, and huge Friday night um, radio program uh, uh, hosted by uh, Coach Bob Lovell. Uh, talk to me about the impact on his coaching on the game of basketball, what he brought to it that wasn't there before.
1: I, I would just say he um, he really he really got his players to buy in. Uh, the, you know, you, the hardest thing is when you when you're a player. Um, you know, you come into a game with an individual mindset, but when you have the right coach, they can mold you into helping you understand how the team is supposed to play together. Bob Knight was great at that. Uh, his coaching legacy, Tony, is incredible. There are current head coaches in college basketball that are very appreciative of what Bob Knight did for them. I mean, Chris Beard, he coaches Ole Miss. He spent seven seven seasons on Knight's staff at Texas Tech. Of course, Dusty May, his Florida Atlantic Owls, just made the Final Four. He was a student manager at Indiana under Knight from 1996 to 2000. Of course, Mike Woodson now coaches IU. He plays for Knight (laughs) back in the day. Steve Alford coaches Nevada now, played for Knight, won the gold medal for Knight. Um he's been the head coach of six colleges, but he you know, gotta start with Knight. Joe Pasternak is the head coach of UC Santa Barbara, former student manager under Knight in the late nineties. And of course Mike Davis took over IU after Knight was fired. And Davis learned a lot from Knight, and now he coaches Detroit Mercy. Michael Lewis, he's now with Ball State. He played under Knight from 1996 to 2000. Marty Simmons um, from Eastern Illinois, he coaches there now. He also has ties to Knight. And Bill Parcells even was on the football staff at Army in 1966. When um, he was a part-time assistant for the basketball team under Knight, so he's even part of the Knight coaching tree. It, it, the Knight coaching tree goes back so many years and goes and affects so many different people that it, it's really, it's really impressive.
0: John Herrick, news director, ninety-three point one FM, WIBC. I appreciate you and pretty impressive is the legacy of Bob Knight in the minds of a lot of people. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow. Everyone, take care.